Hey everybody, this is Brendan Grisall and you are listening to the Speaking of Podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Laurel Buckingham and we're speaking of a bunch of different things. Mainly, I just kind of geek out here and just ask him questions about life and ministry and leadership. He's one of my heroes and uh, I've been trying to sit down with some of my heroes and he definitely is one of my all-time just role models in life and ministry and it's just a real treat to sit down with him today. Here's my conversation with Dr. Laurel Buckingham. We're live. Hey, just like that. Good to be here. I am here with Dr. Laurel Buckingham, LDB as we call him. Uh, Dr. B, uh, I have been on this little podcast experiment of mine. One of the things I've done is wanting to sit down with some heroes and some people that have inspired me as not just a, a leader, uh, but that's obviously part of it, but as an individual, as a pastor, as a human being. And so uh, I've had, I've had uh, Dr. H.C. Wilson and Pastor John Simons and you, and actually at some point I'd like to get the three of you at the table <laughs> at the same time <laughs> and just love you guys some questions and hear some more stories. Yeah. So that's Well, you fine. know, it's interesting because we've had our picture taken, the three of us together and been in, in situations together, and it's been pretty, pretty dynamic. Yeah, well, you guys, all three of you have meant so much to me in similar and in different ways. And so it's a real, I really appreciate that you come and you come and sit down. Well, I, I'm just so glad to hear you say that I'm different from either one of those guys. So that makes me feel better. <laughs> I, bet you, I bet you they'd say the same thing, wouldn't they? Uh, maybe. So that's why I need all three of you here so you can defend yourselves together. We'll line that up. But I want to get, you know, I wanted to sit down with you one-on-one -on -one, though in this format. And we've had the privilege of, I've had the privilege over the last few years of, of getting to know you and, getting to benefit from building a relationship with you, but I've actually never heard the, you know, the, the Dr. Buckingham story before kind of Moncton Wesleyan and you're, and you know, right. as you led there for decades and yep. that's anybody in Atlantic Canada that's listening, you know, that's part yep. of the church knows your name and they know Moncton Wesleyan as a flagship church. What, what go back and what got you into <laughs> pastoral ministry well, in the first place? I'm telling you what, I hope I can be succinct, which is not necessarily the my... The beauty of the podcast is you don't need to be. Right, I'm so glad to hear that. Just... But I was brought up in a very backward denomination. It was called Primitive Baptist. It was actually called Primitive Primitive. Baptist. <laughs> and they were primitive. Neanderthal. Neanderthal. <laughs> now they have amalgamated with a, a denomination that's fairly large in the United States called Free Will Baptist. Okay. But anyway, in those days... And, and, but I was, I, f I felt called, I don't know how to describe ever since I was a Christian that I had to someday preach. Okay. And yet I felt so stinking inadequate. I mean, I was terrible in school, spent four of the happy years, happiest years of my life in grades nine and 10. Four. So four. No, you no yeah. kidding. <laughs> no kidding. And then I took two years in one after wow. that when I got my act together a little bit and, and yet, and could not even get up in a service and give a testimony i was so nervous wow. you know i couldn't debate or anything i'd make all kinds of mistakes i just had the and i had i truly had i mean really and truly this is no exaggeration an extreme inferiority complex really probably to the point of almost being a real mental issue and so i just felt totally inadequate but i was no good at anything <laughs> you know, I was I brought up my farm. I was no good at farming. Broke everything on the farm I ever touched, and wow. and just couldn't do anything. I was, a, I'd be the last one chosen in a in a softball game right. because I was not an athlete. So I just had nothing going and, for me. Right, and uh, and yet I felt this call, and I felt I had. No it was just like there was just like there was no option. 
I had to do it. You had a sense of that at a, at a oh, pretty young age? Oh, oh, all the way through, it just and it kept intensifying. Wow. And, and I remember one time, it was so extreme, that I made a guy promise he'd never tell anybody in the world, and I just went through all kinds of contortions to get him to be sure he would never tell anybody. And this was when I was 18 years old. Okay. And I told him that I was called to preach. And uh, anyway. That was the first time you voiced it to someone? The first time I voiced it to anybody. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I would go to a conference where they had sermons uh, that I would look at, and I, I would look around like I was looking at pornography or something, not wanting anybody to see that I was... a secret. <laughs> yeah, it was just, wow. I, I, felt, I felt people would laugh at me. So what was see? that process of going from, you know, you knew you had this kind of internal burden and dialogue with God, but, uh, you know, miles away from actuating yep. it. What, well, what it, happened? It, there, there was, it was kind of a dramatic thing. When in, in a church service, I I yielded. I just surrendered. Wow! And and, and I was even meant. I was even, well, emotionally probably somewhat sick because everything was bothering me so, and just felt so. Where where was that? Tell there, me about that was, service. I was in high. I was in a high school department at Bethany Bible College that had okay. a high school department at that time, yeah. and they had evangelistic meetings uh, that were going on, and. And I, w- I was totally out of character. When I yielded, I just was demonstrative in that, in that yielding. Uh, they would, in those days, they had what they call altar service, had people come up and give their testimony and all this. And I, I was just not myself. I mean, in a positive way, yeah. not a negative way. And uh, so that was the end of that. And I was public, and I had, yeah. to, I had to follow through. Did things start, like, after? I think I'd love to talk to you about that yieldedness and that surrender piece, because I think that's such a huge component of the life that god has for us it's like he has these things but it's it's not going to come but you know at the cost of your ability to yield to him as lord you know and yeah. and there are things where he just says until you bow the knee mm-hmm. you're not going to access I was set that. free yeah like i was going to ask like what what yep. what awakened in yep. you what what well, I, just, I just became a different personality really? altogether. just a different person and uh <clears throat> yeah it was it was just liberating and then a couple of things happened. Uh, I I was invited to go to, well, another place a long ways away from where uh, where Bethany was located at the time, to speak at a youth rally, and it doesn't make it just honestly because I I'm not very mystical, mm-hmm. but I don't know how else to describe this. The, the I'd be the last person in that college. I was now in the college department yeah. that should have been asked to represent that school someplace right. else. God just, put oh. it, God just made it happen. In the, in the, the president's, in the president's mind, it just make no, it didn't make any sense whatsoever. So do you remember, do oh. you remember that first? Remember, first, first do sermon? I ever. What, I'm do you remember what you preached on? Yeah. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And wow. I'm telling you what, I sure had the peace. I thought I was Billy Graham after that thing was over with. Because here, just let me, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I had it. no idea you were getting into no, this kind of thing. I, but here's, went into the church, and the person that, that was conducting the youth rally, it was a youth yeah. rally, youth weekend, he wanted to know who was speaking that night. And, and the other guy that was with me said, Laura Buckingham. And he just looked at me like, oh, you know, like, how can this guy be Letting speaking? Because I looked about, Four or five years younger yeah. than I really was, yeah. and so I looked like a kid, <clears throat> and I was so scared that when we went up to the uh, uh, to a room off from the platform, and everybody prayed before we went out on the platform, yeah. I couldn't pray. 
You were just tongue-tied. I, I was tongue-tied. I, just, <laughs> I was just... And you had to preach. I had to preach. Oh, my goodness. And, and an older man gets up before I'm to speak, W.L. Fernley, and he said, how many of you would like to help the preacher preach tonight? Well, because I was so inferior and so scared, that was like a great big thing wow. to me. That this man had just given me some great big affirmation and gift, and it, I, all of a sudden, I just, just was set free. Wow. And I, I mean... I felt like I was Billy Graham, as yeah. I said, yeah. and 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 that was that that was a kind of breakthrough. Well, something kind of came alive oh, once you just came alive. You confronted that. There's, it's it's interesting though. There's 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 probably some legitimate, you know, humility in there in that, and there's there's some truth in the feeling inferior. There's a real dialogue that happens with yep. God where he's like, no, I'm called. It's like Moses when, I know. when God called oh, him to deliver. So many and in the Bible. Yeah. So he's many. like, who, me? Yeah. You know, like oh, Gideon, great oh, man of valor. You, you're talking to somebody else? Didn't didn't make a bit of sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. None whatsoever. Yeah. But yep. then once you kind of face that, was yep. it was it kind of after that moment you got a taste and you're like, this is what I was oh, made for? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so what happened? So uh, so out of that, so then, you're, you're in your I, 20s, Because I'm of the, this primitive Baptist church that I was brought up in, I just felt like they needed help. I should try to help them. Mm-hmm. And and I took three of their churches up in the Toby, Plaster Rock, and a place called Arthuret, another place called Lairwick. And they were so backward that they did not pay believe in paying salaries because they're just little country churches. Okay. So you had to live by faith. Well, the truth is none of them ever did. You know, and I determined that I was called to preach, and I was going to preach, and I was yeah. going to do secular work. Yeah. But you could starve to death, you know. And so it was like the doctrine of the virgin birth, that you were not to be paid a salary. You're no to kidding. live by faith. Well, wow. But nobody did. So I preached the premise, if we pay a salary, then everybody's going to have to live by faith. Yeah. You're going to have to faith to meet the salary. Yeah. But I knew it would never pass in the business meeting, so I just went around to every home and talked to people about they weren't giving through envelopes yeah. or anything like that. And I'm, I'll just, I, got, I can't go on and on about this, but there was one church where I would get $5 a Sunday. And now we're talking back in 1961. Mm-hmm. Well, that was all right. But one Sunday I got $8. Will you imagine going from 5 to 8 yeah, I thought a, I'd gone to increase. heaven. I mean, that's a pretty good increase. You could buy you could buy a Big Mac meal with that now. <laughs> well, <laughs> so anyhow, after we got this thing going, money started coming to this little church, like $40, $50 a week. Well, you just imagine going yeah. from $5 a week, $40, $50 a week. So I appointed a, a finance committee, just arbitrarily appointed a finance committee, yeah. and they sat down to decide what they're going to pay me and decided to pay me $20 a week. Mm. Well, you imagine going from $5 to twenty dollars, yeah, and, and some of the old saints that were brought up in that live by faith, they yeah. said, "Oh, we've never had money in this church ever before, and this is just the greatest thing that's ever happened to us." And wow. da 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 da, and they fought it like tooth and nail when we first started talking yeah, about it. Yeah, but did, but did fruitfulness start at the flow after they? Oh yeah, they chose to yeah. to honor that's the right. leadership. They actually had to exercise some faith. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that such a backwards? I mean, I, I was thinking oh, it's this, unbelievable. I, I was watching the uh, American presidential debate there a few weeks ago that must have been fun it was (laughs) and i just sat there and i got thinking you know like you know to be fair like what drives a person to get into politics there's not a whole lot incentive to attract the best people you know like the best people are out building companies and and it's like they're gonna have to just start writing huge checks to incentivize you know the the jeff bezos's of the world to come in and make make that their career you know but it's like 
in the church, I've thought that for some time. You know, you have an epidemic of leadership and you have these outliers maybe where God will, you know, call a person like you and just put it so much on their heart oh, that yeah. I'm going to give myself to yeah. this. And I think there's something to be said. There's something to be said. And look, you know what I'd like to say, interject here, uh, Brent, is, you know, I wasn't getting hardly enough to live on. And then they that all changed. And the next place I took, I le- took less money. Mm-hmm. My salary doubled within four years. Yeah. The next place was Moncton, and I was getting less money. Went to, I was getting $92 a week for several years. Yep. Now, this the money value was different, you mm-hmm. know. you got to understand that. And then I, I might have ended up not being as high paid as you are probably, but I ended up being very well taken care of. But starting out in an environment where you weren't to expect anything financially right. to end up in an environment where I was getting paid more than I was worth. Yeah, well, I think I think <laughs> – there's two things that, that, you know, especially in a church, it's complicated because I think there's a, there's a dialogue between the pastor and God. You know, I think uh, most pastors at some point have probably turned down more money or taken less money. And, and I did. And you've I done turned that. down I've salary raises, yeah. Um, and that's that's something because this has to be bigger yep. than, if you're going to be a oh. pastor, it has to be bigger than, this is just a good, a good well, career option. It's, you don't get into this, this for that. I know that this is, I don't put this on anybody else. What I'm about to say, I really don't. But I have never, ever once even hinted at a raise in salary or increase or anything financially for myself. And I think, by the way, one of the worst things in any leader is to is to have that mentality of uh, oh, I'm thinking, forgetting the word, but uh, kind of selfish, selfish focus. Yeah, uh, looking for what they want, what I can get. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if you go like. A pastor should you shouldn't be a pastor of ministry if it's about what you can get. It's not a good career option. No, you go right. make more money doing something else. And, and, I but think, I but I do believe if you give it your best. Well, and I, I would say to a church like and you do a lot of consulting for churches. Mm. You know, I would say to them, it's very important that you you take very seriously like that you you pay your pastors and you pay your yeah. you pay your staff because sure. the way that you honor uh, them says something about how you're stewarding. I agree with that hundred percent. It, it flows yeah. and so. But here's what, I, here's what I just think is so harmful in any, any realm is an entitlement yes, mentality. Totally. I think that yeah, is just dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous. So you, you end up, you, you preach the paint off the walls uh, in that first time. I'm, I'm impressed. I've, I've blocked my first sermon out of my memory. I don't remember what it was, and I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but, uh, and then, so, so what happened? I'm assuming throughout your, you being your twenties, you, you probably went to some different church, church opportunities, probably got married in that time. Yes. In my first church, uh, I, after I've been there for three years, uh, I, th- I think it was, yes, two, I was, that's when we were married. We, I went there in 61, we were married in 63 <clears throat> and then in 65, I was planning to go to a college in, in, southern united states that would have taken me away from here but uh somebody tried to steer me in the direction of a place called monticello maine it was just a little community yeah. of 1100 people 
We just saw that thing explode, that church. I knocked on every door in that community more than once. Wow. Of course, that was the way yeah, they did it yeah. back then. That's not the way that works today, but that worked back yeah. then. And I remember when I left there, <laughs> I don't know if this is something should be on the podcast or not. Oh, but that's why we do but, this. Uh, <laughs> anyway, one of the select men, they called me, like a town counselor, said to me, you're the first pastor this town has ever had. There wasn't a story going about him regarding some woman in town. Oh. I said, well, I understand that. I said, they saw my car in every yard. They couldn't pay any one woman on me oh boy <laughs> yikes yikes uh so when you when you think about you know you, you roll your min- decades of ministry in the local church um probably many highs and lows and wins and losses and and for sure. learnings and for sure all those things uh, a question i wanted to ask you is if you if you stop and you zoom out on the the decade scope of it you know what what things have brought you the most joy in ministry, what's what's been the thing that you're like since since day one, the preaching, you know, preaching first time. What's been the consistent stuff is like that's this is why all that's worth it. Well, just the entrepreneurial side of me, and maybe that would be not even the ministry side in yeah. some ways, is to see things go forward. Right. To see certain goals to create and develop. You know, and and and. And certain, you know, even even in buildings and all that. But that's all secondary. That's a means to an end. I, I think probably one of my highest values is what I see as being in harmony with God's value when he sent Jesus to die on a cross. And it is to see people transformed by the power of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that was just forever our uh, emphasis. We were not there for ourselves. We were not there... Uh, to consume it upon ourselves, whatever teaching or friendship or fellowship or whatever was going on, we were only there to keep, be getting prepared to fulfill God's purpose right. in, by, uh, in, by sending Jesus to the cross. Mm-hmm. And so seeing people's lives transformed yeah, and valuing that every which way we knew how to value it right. and to value the people that had a part in it. And helping those people come to that decision. And especially valuing baptisms yes. and yeah. rejoicing in that point in their lives. It's incredible, isn't it? Like yeah. it, it doesn't get old when you really take it seriously. Oh, boy. You just hit something Brent, I want to speak to. <clears throat> New can even get old Yes. after a while. Yeah. All, you know, you can be yeah. as innovative as you want to be. And it can, it can all, it gets old. Yeah. But one thing that never gets old is seeing transformed lives. Yeah, it's and I remember uh, I we went to Disney World many years ago, just my wife and I. And I was just overwhelmed. I couldn't believe there could be a place like this. With the money we spent, wasn't you know, wasn't much for what we got, I felt like. Yeah. And and we went back a second time and man, it didn't nearly seem to be nearly as much as it was the first time. Well right. because the first time the it was wow new. Factor, you see? Yeah. Well then the next time we took the kids. And the kids were all ears and eyeballs yeah. and all excited and just going crazy. Well, all of a sudden, it was newer than it ever was before. Right. Just seeing their excitement. Yeah. And when you see the excitement of changed lives mm. and the difference that makes in their lifestyle and everything else and the miracles that are performed as a result of that, yeah. I'm telling you, that keeps things new. It sure does. And exciting and alive. Yeah. And so. And that's been, that's, that's. That's good. It's encouraging for me to hear yeah. because that's yeah. one of the things that, even you know, I've been at this for about fifteen years, and you know, there there are ups and downs for sure, and yet that man when and sometimes you have to stop and look and like hear a story and yeah. and 
really let it register yep. that, wow, wow, that really, they really did find life. And that, man, that's so motivating. And smell the coffee on that. Smell the roses about that and yeah. rejoice in it, you know, and yeah. celebrate it. And yeah. let the people celebrate how, how it. Did you, how did you do that? Because one, one of the challenges, you know, you grew Moncton Wesleyan, you know, you know, from hundreds to, to well over a thousand people. And you start seeing these larger numbers and sometimes you have to really fight to make that one matter and like yeah. to get that story. What were some of the well, ways that I, you I stayed connected to people? What, what we tried to do is publicly value every aspect of what brought a person to Christ and value that transformation and, and, and just highlight the joy of all of that and even the joy of whoever had a part in it. Because, you see, one of the things that I, I'm concerned about in ministry we can preach seeing people come to Christ, but if we're not having a part in it ourselves, right. it can get to be resented. Yes. Uh, I was talking about not doing anything about it. Right. And so people have got to see illustrations yeah. here of people we have been leading to Christ yeah. ourselves and helping in that journey. Yes. So I never, I never put it on people, a guilt trip about you're not witnessing or you're not soul winning the way you should be. Here's what I tried to teach and preach, that every one of us can have some part and should have some, yeah. and should be intentional about it, and have a conscience about it that's with us day and night as to how we can have some part in seeing somebody come to know the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Not be the one to lead them necessarily, but at least we have some part in that process. What kept, what kept your kind of tank full on, like anybody who knows you or has met you or maybe sat under your ministry, especially when you're when you were this you know the senior pastor at Moncton Wesleyan, one of the constant testimonies was you know he led this big church but he really like he knew all our names and he like you really have a gift for making yeah. people feel valued yeah. and that comes from a genuine place right i actually think you genuinely value people and and what what's kind of gone into developing that muscle well that's a great question man i'm i love i'm glad you asked me that question because that's of high value to me right so it's a question well, i admire I, that about you because i don't i don't it's not as it's not a natural thing for me. I'm fairly introverted, actually. And so to see you, you know, you remember people's names. You always well, make people feel so. If you're telling the truth, that's you're the person to be asking me this question. Because I'll tell you what, I was more introverted than anybody you can think of. And, and I had to just determine as an act of my will, as a decision, to be deliberate and intentional and disciplined to do that. Right. And so I made it a habit to, and especially when the church was small, then this become, of course, something that was ongoing. And it was in a day, you wouldn't believe this, this, the psychology, not the psychology, but the, the culture of that day. That's yeah. the word I want, the culture of that day. You're supposed to go in the church, never open your mouth, you're, because you're supposed to be quiet when Solid. you're in the house right. of the Lord, right. you know. <laughs> right. and, and so when we, I started going up and down the aisles and greeting people, loving on people, I was as awkward as a fish out of water. It just wasn't me. But I knew it was necessary yeah. because of people, the need of people, everybody needs just, to feel valued. Yeah. Everybody's coming from some degree of inferiority about something. Yeah. And so... And so, my word, hell broke loose there for a while because uh, this was just disrupting yeah. everything for anybody to be doing the likes of that in the in the house of the Lord, right? You right. know, <laughs> and so, and so, but it but it became eventually something that became almost who I was. Mm -hmm. But it was I had 
had to force it. It had to become a habit. Yeah. And there's a, there's great power in patterns yes. and habits. Right. And and uh, there were times I would go into that place, and maybe some devastating thing. I remember one time a terrible devastating thing kept me all night up all night the night before. And I remember not wanting to talk to anybody. I'll just go to my office, preach what I do have to do, uh, and then go back to the office afterwards. And then all once when I went into that church, I remembered that scripture verse, give and it shall be given unto you. It doesn't wow. say give yeah. if you got it. Right. It says give it anyway. Yeah. And I didn't feel like giving anything, but I just determined I'm going to give it. Right. And so I went around doing what I always did. And whether it was God or the state I was in or a combination of both, the affirmation that came back to me was overwhelming that morning. And I went to that pulpit, preached like a house of fire, and went wow. up and did the same thing after it was over with. And 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 what I don't I I take the initiative. Some people are scared to do it because they're there's people that's got a pet peeve they want to talk to you about, and that takes away from your focus yeah. in preaching. Well, I didn't hardly allow that. I would talk to them about something good and positive. How's the cat? How's the dog? Or whatever yeah. I could think of, you know. Yeah. And and then I would we get pictures of all the people, especially after Facebook, yeah. that I met once I got their names. And I'd go into the church early Sunday morning, memorize those names. Yeah. Oh, i got to tell you one. You'll love this. We've got a person who's a crackerjack on staff, just came on staff in our church now. Yeah. Unbelievable. She was in the corporate world. She was overseeing 300 employees in the corporate world, and she is just on fire. She went to three of the most prominent churches in our city, came to our church. Then they came back a second time. This is just after I went yeah. back to the church, after I pastored there yeah. for 44 years, and I was back there a second time for a few months, and I called them by name. And when she told me just this, this the other day, she said, when, we wa- when you walked away, my husband looked at me and said, we're home. Wow. You knew their name. And yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is. And, and, and so here's my premise. If people can feel welcomed and valued, it doesn't have to be me, but just I got to set the example, though, yeah. I feel. That's my yeah. conviction. Yeah. Welcomed, and it'll rub off on them, too, just because of my example. Yeah. Welcomed and valued, then... When they go into that service, they won't see the negatives right. nearly as much. Right. They'll see all the positives. Well, now, if they go into a cold place, they'll see all the negatives and no positives. You know, it's the very same kind of service. We think about you think about there's that there's that um, you know, and we probably you've probably used this and maybe in consulting before. Where you go into an old kind of podunk church that's you know maybe hasn't changed anything. And you're like you know you're nose blind to you're too familiar with your surroundings. You don't see oh, it for word. what it is, but there's a flip side to that, and that is if you can get somebody to feel like this is home, yeah. there is a, a, a positive in the fact that they don't see the flaws the same way That's right. that they, they would otherwise. That's right. Listen, i got to tell you this. Now that I'm doing what I'm doing, doing consultations yeah. and so on, wherever I'm asked to do a consultation, I go in incognito ahead of time. Okay. Do you just put a disguise on like a mustache? <laughs> 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 to, uh, in some places, maybe I should. But anyway, just to observe how yeah. they do things. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. If, they, if I go to a place where they don't know me, nobody speaks to me. Wow. Now, here's the crazy part of it. When I sit down to do the consultation, one of the questions we ask, what's the greatest thing about this church? Oh, the, the people are so friendly. Yes. You see, now, if they are friendly, it's damaging because yeah. being consumed with each other makes yeah. the other person that's coming new feel yeah. rejected. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
And so, so, but the, there's a reason for this, so Brent. It's uncomfortable for everybody. Yes. To go up to a stranger. It, it, there's nobody yeah. that that's a total comfort zone. Yeah. It might be a politician or somebody that's used to doing it, but other than that. So people revert back to what's comfortable, even once, even if they may get started down yeah. that road a little bit. Yeah. And that doesn't cut it. So let me, let me leap off that and even go back to something you were talking about a second ago that I think is so, I find it inspiring and I find it really important for the times we live in. You know, you talked about how, you know, use that example of you had something pretty traumatic happen. You still had to go and, you know, perform at yep. some level. You had That's to right. preach. You had yeah. to value I had people. to fake it, really. You had to fake it. And I want to speak to, I want you to speak to that because we live in a time now that, Frankly, I think idolizes feelings mm-hmm. that like that's in the air of a culture of our culture yep. today is like if yep. I don't feel like it, I'm not being true to myself. Yep. I got to I got to go with how I feel. And people yep. are really led by their feelings. Yep. And frankly, they would say, well, that's being fake. You're not being true to yourself. You're out there. <laughs> and I and I, the older I get and then when I admire leaders like yourself, I'm like, I don't call that fake. I call that faith. Like they're be, you're being faithful. I see. You know, the saying is fake it until you make it. I say yeah. faith it until you make it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, speak to, just speak well, to I that. Well, I will. Like I'm, look, you are asking the best questions you could be asking me <laughs> imaginable. But uh, let's just, oh, here, here's, here's, what I, here's what I believe. The worst fuel on which to run the spiritual motor is a fuel of inspiration. Now, let okay. me explain. Yeah. I love inspiration more than any other person on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. I love listening to inspirational messages, inspirational, motivational talks, reading inspirational material. I love inspiration. Yep. But here's the problem. If we're depending upon inspiration to keep us going, to keep that motor running, the minute a little bit of rejection comes our way, right. it Empty. totally evaporates. Yep. So right. what is the fuel? I'll tell you what the fuel is. It's the same kind of fuel that Nehemiah had when he said, what God put in my heart to do, and he had to build those walls, mm-hmm. and everybody was fighting him yep. on the outside, on the inside. Right. And he says, with conviction and commitment, right. he said, we will arise, right. and we will build. I'll tell you what, right. there's no inspiration to no that. Feeling, no, no feeling, no yeah. feeling wanting to do it. It was because God put in his heart to do it. Yep. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that, should be in our hearts to do that we don't have God telling us what to do. That's right. It's just we ought to know this is what we should be yeah. doing. And I, I've felt I've, to a new degree over the last maybe five or six months, um, I've had to had to, you know, discover what faithfulness looks like to in a, in a different way. For instance, you know, I don't get the same maybe high that I used to get every Sunday preaching to all these faces and getting that instant feedback. And you know, having those dialogues to God about did I I didn't call you I didn't call you to that's ride exactly to ride right. the high of yep. how that makes you feel. I called yep. you to serve my church, yep. and that's whether they're watching online or yep. they're shut down or what. Like, and I just I find you so inspiring on the like it's not fake, it's it's commitment, it's faith, it's faithfulness. It is priority of conviction over personal comfort. Right, right. That sounds like Jesus. That sounds like how, how he, I think of Philippians too, right? Like, he, you know, consider, consider how he. I believe up. in transparency to a degree. Yep. And we have to Authenticity. be. Authenticity. 
right? Yes, yeah. authenticity. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, T- totally being totally authentic and being open and all that. And I've heard you in some of your sermons share some stuff that's pretty raw stuff. But I don't know that we just have to be acting like we're totally wiped out and and discouraged and all this. We've got to we've got to faith it until yeah. we make it. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think there's probably you probably could speak. You've you've been in leadership and ministry and working with people long enough to probably see one extreme to the other. And you might have come through a time where people weren't honest enough about what they were going yeah, that, on that's behind true. the scenes. That is very true, Brent. Yeah, but yeah. I, I feel like we've kicked it fully the other way yeah. and we've begun to idolize, you know, depression and anxiety and all these things. They're very real. And I'm not I saying know. they're not real, yeah. but I think we hold them up with such yeah. esteem that we got to bow down to them yeah. like their Lord and Savior. See, I, I guess what I'd like to drive home is it is the power of a commitment that can overcome those bad feelings because of the results that come from that kind of determination and commitment like Nehemiah had, that the wall got built. And I know you go on and read that whole chapter, the celebration that there was. You're not going to celebrate if you don't stick to it. That's the thing. And I think that's the thing we miss. You become a slave to your feelings. And then you miss actually what ends up being, frankly, a more powerful feeling on the other side of commitment. Oh man, you got it. Yeah, you got so it. So, what I, when you think back on on your ministry? You know, we talked a little bit about what's brought you joy. You know, you aren't you aren't a proud man. I've found you to be very humble. But when you think back of what, like in the best sense of the term, proud. You know, what are some of the things that you're most proud of? over your over your ministry like as far as between you and the lord even if you'd be fair if you'd be willing to share some of that you know there's there's probably the obvious stuff that you've accomplished but when it's like when it's all said and done and you're done you know moncton westland and the buckingham leadership institute and god calls you on to heaven someday and you get to reminisce you know you think about you know what that that really you know there's the obvious thing over here but that thing i'm pretty proud of well i'm not sure the answer but let me let me respond and that might be the real answer my calling as you heard me say earlier in this podcast was so strong i couldn't i couldn't get away from it even though i didn't feel worthy or capable Mm -hmm. i really didn't feel capable Mm -hmm. at all oh my goodness and and so but one of the things that has been my greatest concern in ministry as it relates to atlantic canada because that's where i was born and brought up was the desperate situation in Atlantic Canada in the church. Yeah. Now, it's not only in the church, it's in business as well. We have this inferiority feeling right. that can happen everywhere else, but it can't happen here. Right. And I have felt, ever since I started in ministry, the back of that has to get broken. Yes. And, and, and I, I got to do my part. And one, that's one of the reasons, not the main reason, but one of the reasons I stayed in Moncton for 45 years pastoring mm-hmm. that church is because... I wanted to dispel this lack of believability, which meant breaking all the barriers that we had in front of us. Yeah. Keep breaking barriers until I was done, so I yeah. couldn't be breaking those barriers anymore. That were that because different barriers at different levels and all that. And maybe, in fact, I'll give you this illustration. I had some my peers preaching. I preached all over North America and conferences and so on, and they would say. Why would you stay in Podunk, Moncton, off the face of the earth there, off the side of the earth where if you jump off, you're gone? You know, no people and so on and so on. And they said, if you preached in a certain city, you could have 10,000 people. Okay, maybe I'd only have 100. But let's just assume yeah. 
Doesn't matter. Had ten thousand people. Yeah. My vote. My belief was, if I can get this job done here, and the ripple effect can create some believability in churches that have bought into that negative thinking, it can't happen mm-hmm. here. They won't be able to think that way any longer, yeah. and so they'll be forced to think maybe it can happen here. Mm-hmm. And hearing from pastors that have bought into that, like yourself, yeah. and believe that and see them go further and do better, as you have done, than we were doing. That is my greatest satisfaction to know that that ripple effect is going to maybe mean tens of thousands of people someday in heaven that wouldn't have got there if we had not said, we will arise, and we will build. Yeah, (laughs) I I love that answer, Dr. B, and I I would just, just affirm you, like, that's... That's what's spoken most to me, you know, watching your ministry and, and I'm a, I'm a follower in that, you know, I've, I've had, I've had the same conversations with leaders, you know, around North America and even, yeah, even sure you have. in the UK and More like so made, than I made, con- made connects yeah. and had d- when doors of opportunity open to me. And mm. I, I just feel very like back to conviction and calling, like yeah. I'm born and raised here. This is, I love this part of the world and yeah. I want to see. God's kingdom really overcome a lot of the things that I think have locked up Atlantic exactly. Canada. And, 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 and what you're doing, Brent, what you're doing now is going to have a mighty impact in Atlantic Canada, but because of other factors, new technology, all the rest, it's going to have a mighty impact throughout North America. Yeah, and, and it's been cool to see God expand that, but it's been interesting, Dr. B, over the last maybe year, year and a half that God has increased my burden, even as our, our platforms expanded, we have, you know, I've signed, um, over, you know, the last seven or eight months I've signed, um, you know, first time giving, we send like a note to someone yeah, who starts sure. giving a tribute and I've signed some from like the United States and Alberta and DC and all that. And that's great. It's really that's cool. Yep. But God has increased my my burden and desire really for Atlantic Canada. Like this is this is the mission field He's called me to. Brent, and so got to stop you. This is COVID. Yep. But I got to shake your hand. <laughs> I'm telling you what. A social distance handshake. Don't, you don't know what mu- that music is to my ears, folks. If you have a complaint, you can email that to uh, <laughs> me to Dan dot at kingschurch.cc. But really and truly. Peter Dot Moore at Atlantic District. <laughs> there you go. Listen, nothing you could say would thrill me more than what you just said. Because it's going to be carrying on what has been such a deep, deep, deep conviction yeah. of mine that I've never been able to get away from. Even though in my worst days in Moncton, when we're going through unbelievable pushback mm. and opposition, I was getting invitations to some of the greatest places that you could ever imagine, double the salary and twice, yes. the three times the size city. But I had to say, God wants me yeah. here. And and what I've come to conclusion is we can get more diverted from God's will mm. by the opportunities that come our way a good word. than the obstacles that we have to face. Yep. Yep. And and I've often said, if it weren't for pastors moving all the time, you all would go out of business. <laughs> Yeah, you're probably you're probably right. I, I think you're totally right on that. God can, and this is for anybody like that's listening that's not maybe not in ministry. I do think that that sometimes the enemy can actually 
distract us with a great opportunity. Really, you know, that's truly, not a God opportunity. And, and we're the worst in, in among as pastors. We can rationalize. Oh, totally. I think this is well, God's God will. Any old church because we that, just don't want to face the music of what needs to get resolved. Yeah. And and so if somebody else comes in, has to deal with the same issue. It yeah. never gets resolved. They move on and they go on to some other place where nobody's got things resolved. Once you get the things resolved that need to be resolved, you don't go back there yeah, again. That's right. Well, wh- one of the things th- to that point that that you've inspired me a lot. And, you know, as I think about modeling my life in ministry, I do, I do think about it over the long haul and, you know, maybe in different circumstances and scenarios, we, we came into lead, you know, leading a church, but you know, you, you got to lead Moncton Wesley for 45 years. Um, and, and if my health stays and, you know, again, I don't, I don't, I would never presume to know what's going to happen. We get talking about decades, but I do have an opportunity to, to, have some real longevity and to see what we could accomplish Amen. over the long haul. Yep. You know, if you speak to longevity, you know, how, how did, how did you well, kind of stay at it and stay, stay committed? And I can't believe you're your asking me the questions you're asking me because it's just the ones I love to answer. Well, good. good. Well, I need, I need your answer. <laughs> well, so. no, you don't need it, but others may. When I went to Moncton, I read a book by Elmer Towns. It was about the 10 largest churches in North America. And, they, and the book said they'd been there for an average of 25 years. I thought, 25 years? Wow. How could anybody an stay average. in a, average? How could anybody stay in a place for 25 years? That's just crazy. And that was in a time of more pastoral transition than That's even right. now. Yeah. But, and then I end up being in a place for 45 years. Well, anyway, but here's what I have discovered. If you have a long-range view you will do things you would never do if you knew you were going to be there for a short time. Wow. Now, some people would say, oh, but you should anyway. Yeah, maybe you should, but you won't. Right. You just may as well face reality. Right. You will not want to be bothered with it if you're not. If you're, but things that need yep. desperately to be addressed that build a foundation for going on to the next level. Right. And so that's no wonder there's so many small churches. There's not been a foundation through the difficult decisions and difficult conversations yeah. and let me throw this into i believe one of the greatest lacks of leaders is the unwillingness to have the difficult and critical conversations with influencers right and and we expect too much of our people because we're into this day and night you and i just hear this stuff all the time Thinking we about read it, it. Dreaming we're it. listening yeah. to podcasts we're just living our dear people, they get a little bit of it on Sunday, maybe in some other places, and they don't get exposed to that stuff. And we've taken a thousand steps to get from where we once were to where we now are in our thinking. Mm-hmm. And we expect our dear people to take those thousand steps and in one gigantic step. Right. They can't do it, nor could we have done it. Right. And so that's the reason that we have to sometimes sit down, have a compassionate, respectful understanding, seeking first to understand, ask questions, and help people to understand where we're going, why we're going there, all the factors that are important. But I'm telling you, I even heard Patrick Lencioni say in a recent podcast that some of the greatest businessmen won't have the difficult conversations that they ought to have. Right. They avoid it and want somebody else to do it. And we got to have, listen, Jesus went to a cross for us. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I haven't dealt with the problem head on. I haven't had to go to a cross yet. Yeah. There's no different. There's no conversation that's going to be that difficult. Yeah, you're right. But and 95 percent of them, if we do it right, will work. Yeah, there may be five percent, you know, or so. That no matter yeah. what you do, they're not going to be satisfied. Yeah. But here's what the tendency is, Brent. 
is to see other people who look like that 5% as people there's no sense of bothering with them. Right. When a little bit of investment. Yeah. I'm talking about the influencers. Yeah. One of the 15 people are influencers, they say. Yeah. Look for the influence. That's a judgment call sometimes. They could be official. They could be unofficial. Mm-hmm. But we need to have the conversations with those people. And if you if you have a short-term view on your calling and your your you know your your role at the church you're not going to be motivated to deal with difficult things absolutely but it's it's kind of like you know the home i live in right now um you know if there's if if i'm planning to live there for 20 20 years which i am so you know this is the home that we want to bring our kids up in yep. it I need to deal with if I have a, an issue in the wall yep. or that yep. kind of thing is it's going to, it's going to come yep. back to bite me. But yep. if I'm just going to move and leave, yeah. then who cares? Exactly. And that, that's, mo- it. I, that's a great, great word yep. there. That yep. it's that. Well, it, it does something for your determination and, and does something for your incentive. It does something for your creativity because to know, to know that long range, you're going to reap the benefits of it. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with expecting that and enjoying that possibility yeah and i think that's a great point to have the 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 reward of faithfulness is much greater than the kind of the flash in the pan reward that you get you know i I remember i asked um uh, a mentor of mine one time uh a guy in the states just you know world-class leader but not a household name kind of one of the best kept secrets in you know the u.s sort of sort of thing (laughs) And I said, you know, why, why have you not been on the, you know, the high ticket conference speaking, right. you know, why, why have you kind of kept a pretty low profile? And he said, you know, I did a little bit of that at first and I found it was cheap yeah. that it was kind of like babysitting. You roll in, you, you're the hero for a night. You let the kids stay up late and eat chips and, but I don't have to deal with real life. And he said, I want, I want real life. And he said, I want to deal with the real reward of Grow, like family and growing together, you know. I know you haven't got time for stories. No, I, wasn't, this, I want them. But, but W.A. Criswell was one of my heroes, and okay. he's pastor First Baptist Church in Dallas for 50 years, and yep. it became the largest Baptist church in the world under his leadership and so on and so on. Well, anyway, I called him one time, and he called me back, and and uh, I wanted to come to Moncton for a conference. Mm-hmm. And, 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 of course, you know, you know, we're talking this Texan way of talking. He yep. said, now, my dear brother, he said, I am the pastor of a church. He said, when you're the pastor of a church, you can't be gallivanting all over the country. Yes, sir. <laughs> he said, now I won't always be the pastor of this church. And he said, when I'm no longer the pastor, you give me a call and I'll come and be with you. Yeah, oh, that's, <laughs> uh, that just it rings something in my heart, though, because it's it, not, that, not that you say no to every opportunity or that kind of thing, but it's like, um, you know, I'm called, we're called to, I'm called to this church. I'm called to this family. I'm yep. called to my family, my yep. kids, you know, and that it's because I've said yes to that. Exactly. That but as a pastor, and you're doing the same thing, Brent, as a pastor, W.A. Criswell became maybe the greatest influencer in the Southern Baptist denomination of 16 million people. Right. This is half as many people as are in Canada. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, now I think a lot of them are actually weren't actually alive. Probably. <laughs> Possibly there's, there's, so. There's rumor on their. Somebody told me there's more Baptists in Alabama than there are people. Yes, that's. that's <laughs> I've, I've heard that too. I've heard that too. How have you? How have you dealt with? Uh, let me ask you this. I mean, um, you know, it, 
the hard part about longevity and the hard part about growth, you know, especially growing a church or growing an organization is it comes with, you know, when you're, the, when you're the Nehemiah and you're the tip of the spear, it comes with a lot of criticism. It comes it with a lot of <clears throat> flack yep. and, and, you know, be having the patience and the grit to be able to help people make that journey from step one yep. to a thousand. <clears throat> yep. It just takes its toll on a person. It How does. have you dealt with criticism? Well, I, I've not always dealt with it well. You know, uh, especially in my days when I was somewhat insecure, maybe to a great degree insecure. But there came a point where I had to cross a line, and I went by a verse of Scripture. And, and I'm not saying this is a cure and end all, but the verse of Scripture, love never fails. Mm. And so I determined whoever I was having difficulty with, if they were an influencer, mm -hmm. uh, that I would have a conversation. And we're going to work. And I would spend, look, I've spent as much as over a period of a month or two, 16 hours with one person until there was a breakthrough. Wow. I've been up in my office to 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning until there was a breakthrough, helping develop trust and understanding and, and, and help people to see where we're coming from. It's understandable that they don't understand. Right. You know, right. and if you can see it that way, then it motivates you a little more to try to develop understanding yeah. and help them to uh, because they, they sometimes it's just it's suspicion of their own issues or who knows what. Yeah. But it's it's on me to right. de develop right. the trust. Well, you spoke to you said the word, you know, insecurity. You can deal with criticism from a place of security, but you you couldn't you couldn't have those long conversations no. with somebody right. if you were if you were insecure. No. So so what's the yeah. secret? What's the secret to you know personal security and leadership beyond just Jesus? Like how, how do you how do you how do you apply your salvation and your faith in well, such a way that it gives you real yeah. groundedness and security? I, I think in uh, just to say about Jesus, I can't get away from that uh, being in what we're in, but. Some others would call it being principle-centered. I call it being Christ-centered. Good. And, but what I mean by being Christ-centered, I don't think most people have two clues what it means to be Christ-centered. Yeah. And my idea of being Christ-centered is being like Jesus in the way he functioned with people. Mm. And Jesus was always motivated to add value to other people's lives. Yeah. That's what he was always trying to do. So here's what he, he would do. He was never concerned however he got there, about people affirming him. Right. He, was he didn't all, need that. No. Well, he may need that. I don't know. Being a man, you know, as much man as you've never been God, as much God as you've never been man. But he, but he refused to, to be there, concerned yeah. about that. Yeah. And, and he was always, what can I do to make that other person feel the best that they can feel about them? Right. Rather than having other people make me feel the best about. Right. And I just had to come to a point where that is not even going to be on the radar, right. how other people are making me feel about me. Right. It's all going to be on the radar of how I can make other people feel about them. Yes. Well, then yeah. it comes back to you. Right. You can't stop it. You know, I hear people about pastors not getting affirmation. I got more affirmation than I ever deserved. Yes. It, was, it, was, it was beyond reason. Yeah. But it was because I was continually, deliberately, and intentionally in every which way I could. I'd even write it down in my daytime or encourage everybody today. By so, it doesn't cost a thing. Yeah. It doesn't cost a thing. And what that has done to bring people alive and to help them feel better the best about themselves and all the, and it set me free. Right. It, now there's no other factors, but you've got to live a holy life. Yeah. You can't be undermining your security by knowing you're living yeah. one way yeah. and trying to make other people, f people feel you're living 
a, a different way. Yeah, you've got to be receiving that yeah, fundamentally. Yeah. So from those are the two Lord. very fundamental parts of it. Then, yeah. But then the affirmation comes, builds your confidence, a lot of things like that. But I would say moving from, like, here's the reason that I feel, Brent, a lot of people are not the encouragers they should be. Mm-hmm. They are so insecure. They're just needing that for themselves. Right. So they don't even think about encouraging somebody else. Right. They think about the encouragement they need, and somebody else ought to be encouraging them. Yeah. Well, there, come the, there came a point with me. I just refused to have that on the radar about how somebody else should be encouraging me. Not even allow myself to even go yeah. there. Not let my mind go there. How can I be an encouragement to someone else? Yeah. Well, then it started coming back to me. I can't stop it. I mean. Given I, it will be given to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. it. It's, it's does a, that make it, sense to it you? It totally does. I mean, yeah. I, it's but it's a fight. It's something that I think someone like a, oh, a, yeah. every leader has to grow in. Well, it's you, you got to be deliberate and intentional, and you got to be focused and and find. Listen, here's another thing. <clears throat> I don't think anything ever gets accomplished without accountability. Mm. Either I've got to be able to hold myself accountable, which there's probably very few that are able to do that. Maybe five, ten percent at the most. Yeah. Or somebody, i got to find a way to have, be held accountable for whatever. Mm. And so there, there's a discipline and accountability that has to come to keep this on the rails. Yeah, yeah. It, I, there's, a, there's a saying we're, we're using around here a little bit. When it, so more of our, some of our kind of uh, higher level leaders, you know, talking about this very thing about security and being a, a self-differentiated leader that yep. absorbs stress, not not makes yep. people more stressed. But yep. the the language we're using is, you know, you can't need who you lead. Yep. In that, I can't come to to someone that that I'm leading and come to them needing something from them. Yep. I, have to, I have to be depositing something That's right. for them. That's right. And it's, you're so it right. Undermine, it just undermines yep. the whole thing. Oh, otherwise, does. but it does. And and having the conversations. Uh, were so rewarding, and I had that. I had to have some awful hard conversations for you know all the time while I was there, all the time I was pastoring. Some difficult conversations, in many ways, but almost got to be. I, I was so sure the the outcome was going to be good that it didn't have to dread them, even though it was not always. There was always a little bit of mm. concern, yeah. I guess I wouldn't say fear, but concern. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. A couple more questions, and I'll, you're so easy to talk to, so we could probably stay here all <laughs> afternoon. But I know, I know, uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get this on. But I I, I wanted to ask you about change, and mm. um, you have one of the things with longevity and having put multiple decades in, yep. you've seen a lot of things change, yep. um, specifically in the church. Yep. Some things have changed for the better, and yep. maybe there's some things you're like, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Right. What What would you say are some of the things that you've seen as you've become an elder statesman in the church? You've What are some positive changes you've seen begin to happen? What are some things you're like, I think we should revisit that? Well, I'm glad to hear you ask that too. I, I think that the church where it's being done right is far better off than it's ever been. Hmm. Whereas, like this church, for example, and what you're, the leadership you're giving and the results of that leadership, we never had anything like that when I first started. There was not a large church in right. Atlantic Canada, maybe one. Uh, other than that, there were no others that were of any consequence. And so to see the change of churches 
some churches growing and going forward mm-hmm. like never before. A lot of them now too, right? Really, it's not quite just a bunch, us, you know, comparatively. Really now there's more decline than ever before, yes. which is a sad thing yes. too. But doesn't have to be, and hopefully yeah. we can all have a part in helping yeah. this. And what I'm doing right now yes. gives me an opportunity to be more direct in helping That's to right. see that come to pass. And, and so that has been a great thing, really. Mm. And, I, and I think there is, I think because of people like you and even what I'm trying to do is to help people highly value the importance of change and reinvention and speaking the language of today's culture in a way that they're going to hear without compromising with the culture. And that takes a lot of creativity. It takes a lot of imagination. It takes a lot of debate and Mm -hmm. discussions. But it's being done in places where they're deliberate about it. This is one of those places right here. Yeah. What, uh, you know, you you have wisdom... You know, and what are some things that you're like, you know, I'm not I'm not so sure that's a good trend. Uh, you well, know, whether it's holiness or, uh, you know, like if there are things in the church you're like, as I see, you know, my generation kind of to start to take the helm. Are there some th- cautions you'd give Well, us? I, I would say some lifestyle cons- caution concerns, you yeah. know. Like I, what? I th- <laughs> no, I, no, for, no, that's I, I all right. That's all right. I, that's good. This is gold. This is gold to me. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we know the big issue of the day. You know, uh, uh, same-sex marriage and yeah. all those kinds yeah. of things. So, like, and and you hardly dare to say a word about it because people think you've got some kind of hate. Listen, uh, let me say the other side of that. Mm-hmm. The position I took in the church: we're going to be as accepting of the worst sinner imaginable yes. as we are of the greatest saint imaginable. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be treated any differently as far as acceptance. Right. That does not necessarily mean approval. Yeah. Now, so, so our love for them is going to be just as great as love for anybody else. It yeah. really is, and it was. Yeah. But that does not mean approval. Yeah. So if there's something disapproved, people who are trying to live a different lifestyle that's not approved by the bible yeah. and for god for good reasons that that god knows yeah. and and i think most of us realize then that cannot be interpreted as rejection yeah no i think you're right and that speaks to the the value of i, I do think my generation probably is going to have a real test in are we going to stand with biblical authority or are we going to yeah. let it go? And yeah. you see a lot of churches kind of letting, well, letting it go. The tragedy is for the most part, where it's being let go, those churches are dying. That's the, that's the thing. You I, know? I know I remember um, this, this, well, if I, we already lost the people that are offended at this point anyway, from your last <laughs> comment. So I'll say, I'll say this cause they're gone. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, we were, um, I was out driving, with my family and there was a, there was a church that had a, had a big rainbow flag on it. And, and my, my son goes, uh, you know, there's a, there's a rainbow flag on that church. And I go, yep. And I go, and, uh, and I, and I said, I just made a comment and I go, I don't know of one, I don't know of one church that's growing and reaching people, yeah. uh, <coughs> where you're seeing real life transformation. The thing that you were celebrating about, I don't yeah. know one that's, that's, that's taken a broad theological and philosophical yeah. Yeah. or even orthodox like an unorthodox view. I don't know one that's actually seeing fruitfulness. And I do think there really is uh, a reward of fruitfulness for those who will hold on to the word, even if it costs them something in the culture. And you look at the churches that are actually growing 
they they're they're fairly traditional in yep. their biblical interpretation yep. and and they're allowing the bible to be yep. authoritative yep. well the other side of it is one of our i guess cultural developments that people heard me talk about all the time <clears throat> we want this place to be a place of love acceptance forgiveness healing and encouragement as opposed to a place of rules regulations yep. Judgment, suspicion, and technicalities. Yeah. Because I know the reason for the rules in some cases, uh, given that putting the best construction on people where there is a lot of legalism mm. is so that people be more like Jesus. Truth is, they're not even thinking about Jesus. They're just thinking about the rules and everybody That's else right. got to keep do what I got to do yeah. and we all doing what we're supposed to be doing. There's judgment and if anybody's just break uh, no but where there's a place of love acceptance forgiveness healing and encouragement it makes you want to be like jesus yeah, yeah. you're right I, I i think one of the one key and this is this is something i've been thinking about is the church really needs to get a rediscover the full message of the gospel and and not give it halfway like i think you you'll see you'll see um some churches or some maybe traditions have given this, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done and what, like all those things or what you do. And all that's, that's very true. God is full of grace. And it, and you see other legalistic, you know, expressions that it's, it's all truth and law. And, and it's like, actually it's, it's the full, both of those things married together. And it's a real tragedy. Anytime you, you know, you, you see a church that's just taken one side of those or the other, and you don't get the fruitfulness of, you know, the, the cross is the most inclusive yep. invitation Amen. of all time. Amen. Come to me, all ye who are weary. And it doesn't matter your sure. sexuality or any yep. of those things. But it also says, like, surrender. So it's also the most exclusive invitation of all time, too. You don't get to decide that's right. from here on out. Yep. And it's, but uh, isn't it a wonderful feeling, Brent, to be able to... Be totally accepting of everybody, and yet really realize for their sake, the line has to be drawn yeah. at, when it comes to approval. Yeah, and I think I think one thing that'll give us a little more integrity uh, with our message is we got to get better at dealing with our own our own sin and our own sinfulness, yeah. and yeah. and uh, that's that's part of the problem, especially when yeah. you get talking about family and sexuality and all that. Is we've 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 made lines of division, and yeah. we've made that singular yeah. thing such yeah. an issue, and so yeah. we've cut off our ability. And so I understand the people who are who are crying out. It's coming from a good place, the people yeah. who want to be affirming. Yeah. I really yeah. believe that. I no, just think yeah, that it's biblically yeah. inaccurate. Really, truly, um, yeah. So and and I, I'm glad to hear you say that because they're to be commended for that kind of a spirit. You it's, know. It's, I, it, I would call it unsanct, <clears throat> unsanctified mercy. Like it's like, <laughs> well, it, it is. It's actually from yep. like, it's actually from a le, le, yep. leg, legitimate, yep. generous heart yep. that thinks they understand what's yep. best. And I, yep. I, I don't pretend to understand what's best or worst. I'm just, with these issues, at the end of the day, I've got to go with what I believe the, the biblical interpretation right. is. The moment someone comes open and you know on issues of gender, sexuality, marriage, those things. The moment someone comes to me and says, "Here's what the Bible says," and they show me, I'll, I'll submit to you know I'll yeah. submit to whatever it yeah. says. Unfortunately, back to my my thing that concerns me in this day and age is most of these conversations have been taken out of the the, the realm of biblical interpretation and back into the realm of feelings. I feel this to be wrong, yeah. therefore. Yeah. And I, I yeah. that's a scary thing. It's, it's kind of, I know this is um, anecdotal, 
But it seems like it's kind of a scary thing to think that places where things have been so liberalized, whatever that might yep, mean, right, yep. that they're they're going right out of business. You'd think something could be learned from that. You would just look think by mm-hmm. looking at the data objectively yep. that maybe we're missing something yep. here. I talked to a leader in a, one, a denomination that once was born in revival that has gone the liberal route. And he was an evangelical mm-hmm. within one of the large churches, uh, comparatively yep. large yep. for them, mm-hmm. in Toronto. And I said, what is the future of your denomination? He said, unless there is change, in 25 years we will be extinct. Yeah, 100%. Because uh, the, the word is living, yep. and the word is the thing that generates life and power and multiplication yep. in the church. And you let go of that. Yep. You're dead. It's just only a matter of time. I don't want to labor this too much, but there's a church not far from here, I won't name it, that in the turn of the last century (laughs) was born in revival. Wow. They had 500 people in a small town. I'll say it wasn't Sussex, but the size of Sussex, and probably a lot less back 100 years ago. 500 people came to the Lord. So they had to build this beautiful edifice in that community. Three years ago, they tore it down. Yeah, it's a, and they have a congregation of about twenty-five people. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a it's a. I think God though is refining His church, yep. and He'll He'll let some things die. He's yep. not afraid of pruning the bush. Yep. Um, l- l- let's kind of start landing the plane with that. What excites you? What excites you most about this day and age? I mean, we talked about well, what concerns you, what, what gets you fired up. I'll and tell like you what excites me. Good days ahead. That maybe it's not the, I, I, I can't really think necessarily, maybe the number one thing I might think of that after I leave here, but is people like you now. And what I mean by that, I think that some of the leaders coming on are so far ahead of us and they should be, mm. I mean, ahead of me. I had, I never heard the word leadership when I first started. Right. That's one of the greatest needs in the church, yeah. among pastors, is people who will be real leaders, like we read about, read about in the Bible, yeah. that stood the test and 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 had the creativity and the ingenuity and the, and the innovative abilities. And I, I'm, of course, I believe the church ought to be the most dynamic creative force on the face of the earth. Yeah. I mean, because of who we are, God showed yes. us. And, and so, to see young guys coming on, not all. Enough, not enough, no, never enough, mm-hmm. but some. Uh, some who have got that and are so far ahead of what I was when I first started. Well, that excites me. The reason we're ahead is because you've paved the way. <laughs> well, and you stand I don't on your know. shoulders. No, the, the, your, your ceiling is our floor, and that's well, because you've, you've propped us that's up. That's great to there. hear. Oh, I, I'm that's very aware of it. I mean, that's yeah. why I wanted to sit down with you yeah. and Dr. H.C. and, yeah. and, and Pastor John. Like, yeah. I... I the especially the deeper I get into this and the older I get, the more I value yep. uh, what you guys have done to to pave the way. And I don't feel like we're an island to ourselves. I don't feel like we're our own success story. You are part of our success here, very much, and, my, and very much part of what's shaped well, me. Well, that's very complimentary. What I what I want to think is that the three of us are a terrific trio, not a terrible trio. <laughs> I, I, would, I would agree. So tell us real quick before, before we sign off, what, what are you up to these days with Buckingham Leadership? Oh, give, us, oh, give us five minutes. You sure on, asked me the right question with that. Because of my passion and vision that existed in the 45 years that I pastored in Moncton and what I wanted to see for Atlantic Canada, now I'm able to have a direct 
influence in that. It yes. was indirect before. Yep. Now it's direct. So that we're mentoring pastors. We have uh, cohorts of pastors or two-day mentoring gatherings all over Atlantic Canada. Now this is before COVID. Some of those things have had yep. to get postponed, which is all right. We'll, with other things that we're doing during this time that, that needed to be done. And, and then we're doing church consultations, which where there is, this is another subject, but where there is a culture of trust. Yeah. In other words, if the people trust the leadership, I go into a declining church that's lost generation after generation after generation, and even because of my stage in life, they will take it from me mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe taking it from yeah. a young guy just out of college. Right. Because they say, man, if he's saying all this stuff, he's saying the same yeah. thing that some young guy says, right. then I guess we should sit up and listen. Yes. And where there's a culture of trust, we have just seen those kind of churches just double and triple and, and great. all go forward like never, ever. But it's the most exciting thing to see that happening in a direct way, you yeah. know, that doesn't happen everywhere. No. Because if I go into a place where there's a culture of distrust and it's systemic and it's been long-standing, then the very things I present as recommendations become yeah. controversial. Right. But yeah. where there's a culture of trust, they just go after that oh, like hungry exciting. tigers to a piece of steak. And, you that, know? and that keeps you energized. Oh, and, and energy. I never felt more energized in my entire life at 81 years of age. I hope I, hope I have half of it. No, really, I, I have to say I have more energy than I ever remember. Now, part of that is I don't have the pressures that I once had, yeah. but I'm working just as hard as I ever well, worked. Really quick, speak to this, because we do have some folks that would be listening to this podcast, maybe a part of King's Church, that aren't, pastors they aren't leaders but speak to what staying engaged in something that you're passionate about speak yep. like you're you're a very healthy and active person at yep. 81 years young yep. speak to speak to encourage somebody who's listening that maybe they're just entering retirement or yep. how do you how have you processed well, here, that? here's one thing i'll just say a couple of things that maybe don't don't seem that important i watch my diet yeah i i walk seventy thousand to a hundred thousand steps a week wow i i uh and so I'm very disciplined yep. about that. And I'm, I'm, my weight right now is the same it was when I got married Wow, 57 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Has that become a challenge actually to keep weight oh, on challenge. at this point? Oh, challenge. Yeah. Nobody knows. People say, oh, you're yeah. lucky. I want to slap yeah. their face. You know, I mean, yeah. nothing lucky about it. Yeah. It's getting on the scales every day, yeah. holding myself accountable, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But also, that's kind of a side. I think the thing that energizes me is purpose. Right. And and I've heard said, it's not all original, somewhat original. Life is not about pleasure. Life is about purpose. Yeah. Now, here's what happened to me. When I finished, I was tired and didn't know it. So I thought, well, I probably should take it easy for a few years. Mm-hmm. Well, that lasted for a month. It seemed like a vacation. <laughs> and then I just eager to get, get back at things again. And here's, it took me a while to get this all sorted out. But I discovered I feel better emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, and every other way you yeah. can feel good by having purpose and pursuing that purpose. Right. And when I pursue a purpose that is right, that is my pleasure. Yes, that's a good word. That's probably a good word to land the plane. <laughs> Dr. B, thank you so much. And my so great can pleasure. I, can I get your commitment to come in? after? Maybe after COVID's done, I don't want to get too much flack, but have you and Pastor John and hey, that Dr. Would be AC fun. and we'll, that would be fun. I'll, lob some, I'll just lob some yeah. questions and see you guys yeah. tackle they, them. They probably won't be able to do much that would help you, but I could help, yeah, I, I could help them and that maybe help you. you. here, so we'll make sure it keeps going straight. <laughs> thank you, sir. Oh, this is great. Thank you. 
Hey, thanks everybody. So appreciate you listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. B as much as I did. He is just a wellspring of knowledge and motivation and inspiration. Just a real gift to the kingdom. And I hope you enjoyed it. Hey, if you haven't already, I'd really appreciate it if you'd subscribe, maybe leave a positive review, maybe share this link for somebody else to enjoy the conversation and get this podcast out there to as many people as possible. We'll see you next time.